Welcome to Parkview. It is so good to be with you, New Lenox, Homer Glen, and Orland, and all of you who are joining in online. We want to welcome you. We are, man, it is so good to be with you. Um, some of you are wondering, how does a Georgia boy from Tennessee get up to Chicagoland? And uh, that's a great question. There is a, there is a good story behind it. God moved our family from the Atlanta area to Nashville to the Church Cross Point about two years ago. And, uh, and so when I was stepping in that role, I've been a campus pastor and I've been a student pastor, but I'd never been a lead pastor. So I had no idea what I was doing. And I didn't have like any, uh, any older pastors who could speak in and give me wisdom. And so when I got a phone call from uh, Pastor Tim Harlow from Parkview Church, I thought, man, I need to take that. And so, uh, so I started talking with Tim. He said, Kevin, I'd like to meet with you when I'm in town. And I said, well, let's meet up. And so we met up at the Starbucks where everything holy takes place. And so we were sitting down and he said, here's the reason that I'm here. He said, I want to encourage you. He said, I've been a pastor longer than you and just want to encourage you and help you however I can. He said, but here's why. He said, my daughter and her husband and my grandchildren go to this church and I don't want you to screw this up. <laughs> so that sounds like Pastor Tim, doesn't it? Like, don't screw this up. And, uh, and so he has been a voice of wisdom and encouragement. So when he, uh, when he called and asked or invited to come up here, I was like, I can't wait. And so it's good to, good to be with you. And what I've learned about being a lead pastor so far is that it's more of a marathon than a sprint. It's been two years, but it's more of a marathon than a sprint. So when you talk about being a pastor and running a marathon, that's Pastor Tim. And so he's been a voice of encouragement for me. And so what I want to do today is just come alongside you and be a voice of encouragement for you. And whatever marathon that you're running, and really in life, like anything that matters is more of a marathon than a sprint. Parenting is more of a marathon than a sprint. Being married, more marathon than a sprint. And business, more marathon than a sprint. And ministry, it's more marathon than a sprint. And anything that matters in life, it seems it's more of a marathon, more of a long run in the same direction than it is a sprint. And I know I've been talking metaphorically with the word marathon, but I'm just wondering how many, how many people in the house, how many people in all the campuses, and even if you're on, watching online and you want to raise your hand, you can, but how many of you love, love running? How many of you say you love, love running? Yeah, there's a couple of you. Let's try the other one. How many of you hate running? Just, yep, <laughs> loud and proud. Like that's, confession's good for the soul, isn't it? It is, it's just good to confess. Yeah, how many of you, um, how many of you love pizza? I mean, I, I, you know, I was in Chicago. I had pizza last night. And so, uh, and I'm not going to tell you where I ate because I don't want to start any controversy here and start any fights and quarrels. And it's true. But like, it was really, really good. And let me just ask you, how many of you raise your hands on loving pizza? How many of you run because you love pizza? Just the economics just work out, right? The caloric value, it's worth it, you know. And, uh, and so when we talk about running, I, I can just gotta, I can confess to you, I'm not, not a runner. Um, you can tell by looking at me, I'm not built like Usain Bolt. I'm built like an Oompa Loompa. I am. I got. And so when I run, I look like a Dotson. I just get the legs going just as fast as they can in the same direction. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know why, but when I turned 40, I set out like a goal, like a bucket list kind of moment. I don't know why 40, I needed to come up with a bucket list, but I was like, you know what? I want to run a marathon. And so I signed up to run a marathon. That was stupid, y'all. <laughs> Here's the deal. Ain't nobody finish a half marathon and say, you know what? I want to run back. <laughs> that has never happened. And so I signed up and they lied to me. They said, it's 26 miles. No, it's not. It's 26.2 miles. 
And when you've been running 26 miles, like point two miles matters. And I just, I, it took me forever. It took me four and a half hours to run that. That's a lot of time to think. That's a lot of time to think to, to yourself and ponder questions like, why in the world am I doing this? And Buddy Lawton said, Kevin, I think God has you running a marathon because he wants to teach you something. I said, he did. He taught me not to run any more marathons. <laughs> and I like to say that I ran two marathons in one day. My first one and my last one. That's it right there. <laughs> now, running a marathon gave me a lot of time to think. And it's also given me a lot of time since then to reflect on how this idea of running a race is one of the primary metaphors used in Scripture to talk about the Christian life. One of the primary metaphors used in Scripture to talk about this running this race of faith is running a race. And so what I want to do is I want to show you a couple of scriptures. The first one is one where the Apostle Paul is talking to his adopted son in the faith, Timothy. And look at what he says to him. He says, Timmy, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only, not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He's saying, Timmy, I've run it. I've run this race and I can see the finish line. And I'm telling you, Timmy, one day I can see it. I'm going to be with him. And on that day, I'll receive the crown. I'll receive the crown of righteousness that's not based on my righteousness, but based on the righteousness of Jesus and what he did on the cross. And he will give me that crown. And I'm going to get that crown. I'm going to take that crown. I'm going to put it on my head, tilt it sideways, and walk down the streets of gold. No. See, I'm going to take that crown. And I'm going to put that crown on my head and take a selfie and post it up on Instagram. No. I'm going to take the crown. I'm going to put it up on the mantle. And everybody that comes over the house, I'm going to say, that's my crown. No. I'm going to take that crown, I'm going to get on my knees, I'm going to get at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to put the crown there. I'm going to say, Jesus, it is all for you. This whole race has been for you because Jesus is the rewarder and the reward. Amen. He is the reward in heaven, that one day we will be with him and we will be made like him and we will worship him and know him in full. And so, Timmy, I can see the finish line. Keep running. Keep running the race. And I want to come alongside you today and encourage you to keep running the race. In fact, I want to do that with the scripture. It's probably like the most well-known when it comes to talking about running the race. And it's in Hebrews chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, you turn to Hebrews chapter 12. If you are following along in a Bible app, it will be Hebrews 12 verse 1. I want to show you the scripture on the screen, and we'll walk through it together. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Man, that's good. My prayer today is that today you'd be encouraged. Encouraged where you're weary. In the marathon that you're in, there are some of you who are just so tired. You're so tired. Maybe it's in parenting or maybe it's in marriage or maybe it's in a business situation. Maybe it's financial. You're just tired and you're weary. And maybe there's a place in your life where you're thinking about giving up. Maybe you're thinking about giving in. Maybe there are places in your life where you've already given up on the inside, but you're still running on the outside. 
My prayer for you today is that God would put fresh wind behind your back and that you get a second wind and you would know his power and his presence and his strength for you and you'd be encouraged. And in the same way that Pastor Tim encouraged me, I want to come alongside and encourage you with the scripture. So let's kick it off. Y'all ready? The script, y'all ready? All right. The scripture begins with the word therefore. What does therefore mean? Whenever you read the scripture and you see the word therefore, you should ask yourself, what's it there for? Because a therefore is connecting what's about to be said with what's already been said. So in other words, chapter 12 is connected with chapter 11 with the word therefore. So Paul is saying, hey, I, I, want you to, I want you to go back. I want you to rewind the tape. And what's chapter 11? Chapter 11 is about the heroes of the faith. It's about those men and women who have gone before us, the people in our faith who have had such perseverance, who have faced obstacles and challenges. In fact, you can go and you can see names. If you rewind, you can see names like Noah and Abraham and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and Samuel, people who faced challenges and adversity like you, but they did not quit. They did not give up. They did not give in. They continued to run even though it was hard. And he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now here's the question, who are the great cloud of witnesses? The great cloud of witnesses are all those who have gone before us. Everyone who has run the race of life and finished the race, they're in heaven. Those who are in Christ, they're in heaven and they are cheering us on. It's a crazy thought. Moses and Jonah and Joshua and David, Jesus, the disciples, like they're all in heaven. They're cheering us on. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Grandparents who have gone before us, a Sunday school teacher when you were young, are cheering you on in the race. You know why? Because you matter to God. So heaven is cheering you on. Now, don't get confused. It's not because it's all about you. It's because it's all about Jesus and your life matters to Jesus. And your life matters for Jesus. And so heaven is cheering you on. Y'all, if you've ever played sports, you know the power of having somebody yell your name from the stands who you love, respect, and admire. Somebody say your name like, it's just, it's just powerful. It's powerful. I, I, I realized that when I was running that race, I was running that marathon. And my wife, Ree, um, I, I've been married to Ree for 19 years, and I love to watch her run. I don't know why I just said that to you, but I just, <laughs> I've been chasing her since eighth grade. And, uh, and I, I'm just, she showed up that day and showed up in a big way. At mile three, she surprised me and she started cheering for me. Now, she had her phone and she recorded it. And I want you to see mile three. Good job, Kev. How you feeling? How you feel? Good. Okay, keep it up, keep it up. I'll see you soon. You see that stride? <laughs> it's mile three. Your boy looks good. She's cheering for me. I hear her say my name. I'm like, that's my girl. Adrenaline, testosterone starts flowing through my body. I feel fast. I feel like Rocky. Yo, Adrian. Like, I'm just like, that's, that's my girl. Mile three. And she showed up again at mile 19. <laughs> Took some film. That, check it out. Come on, Kev. You need me? You need me? Ooh. 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 That's how pastors cuss right there. That's what they say. Y'all, that's what death looks like. My spleen hurt. 
I don't even know where my spleen is, and it hurt. I had hit the wall. My body was shutting down. I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. What I learned that day is that running a marathon is different than running a sprint. When you run a sprint, you're running in a stadium full of people who are cheering for you the entire time. When you run a marathon, 99% of it, you're on your own. And when you're on your own, you start having thoughts that you normally wouldn't have. Like, I want to quit. Like, I could fake an injury. (laughs) I think I just pulled my hamstring. I might be having a heart attack. How do you fake a heart attack? Medic, like, you start having thoughts that you normally wouldn't have. I'm out there, mile 15, I'm thinking, I could call an Uber. I could. Cost me $12 to get to the finish line. Already doing the math. I have thoughts that I normally wouldn't have. Thoughts like, I could get on public transportation. There was a bus coming, and I had the thought. I thought, you know, I could throw myself in front of that bus. Just like let it hit me, and I wouldn't have to finish the race. I, I had that thought. I'm thinking, when we are tired and we're weary and we're by ourselves and we feel isolated, we have thoughts we normally wouldn't have. Self-sabotaging thoughts. Thoughts of escape. That's why the enemy wants us to live in isolation. You weren't made to live alone. You were made to live in community. That's why when we talk about rooted, it matters. To be in community with other people, to have relationships around us. Because when we're alone, we think thoughts we normally wouldn't have. And I was running by myself. And I was thinking those thoughts. And I'd hit the wall. And I want to encourage you today because God wants you to know that while you may feel lonely, you're not alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always. He promises his presence. So even when we feel lonely, we're never alone. In fact, there was this moment that I remember reading of Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. where It was during the Montgomery bus boycott and the hateful threats started rolling in. And he said one night he sat at the kitchen table and at midnight the phone rang. He said the voice on the other line said, Martin, if you don't stop preaching what you're preaching, we're going to take your life and kill your wife and your baby daughter. And he hung up. He said at that moment he just began to weep. He said, I can't do it anymore. He said, guys, I'm just too tired, just too worn out. He bowed his head and cried out to God. He said, I can't carry on. And then out of the silence, he said, it seemed that in that moment I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and I will be with you even until the end of the world. Martin, you are not alone. And he said it was that night that changed everything for him. And he went back to that night and drew strength in other moments in his life. And what you need to know today is that you're not alone either, that God is with you. In fact, Jesus said, it's better that I go from you because if I go, if I ascend and I go to heaven, then the Father is going to send the Spirit to come live in you. And so when you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The very Spirit of the living God, the Spirit that blew a rock off an empty tomb lives in you. The power of God lives in you through His Spirit. You are not alone. His Spirit lives in you. And Jesus says that His Spirit will be our teacher. His Spirit will be our guide. His Spirit will be our power. His Spirit will be our comforter. His Spirit will be our encourager. His Spirit will literally breathe courage into us. His Spirit will remind us, will remind us of the things that He's taught us at the right moment, at the right time. His Spirit lives in us. 
He's given us a spirit of adoption where we belong to the Father. We cry out, Father, we know him in that way because his spirit lives in us. And when we get discouraged, which is a temporary loss of perspective, the spirit of God gives us right perspective, reminds us who we are and whose we are and what we're called to do. Y'all, we're preaching today. Listen. Once you know you're not alone. His spirit lives in you. And Jesus said, it's better that I go. Here's what he was saying. He was saying that the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Because if Jesus was with the disciples, it would be one on 12. But now that the spirit is here, his spirit lives in us. Each one of us who are followers of Christ, who are in Christ, his spirit lives in us. He says, keep in step with the spirit. In other words, just left foot, right foot, breathe. Just keep going in this race. Continue the race. And he has put his spirit in us to encourage us. Now, listen, when we encourage other people, remember, you've got, you've got, uh, you've got a cheering section in heaven. You've got the encouragement of God through his spirit in you. But when other people encourage you, it brings up there down here, doesn't it? I mean, think about when somebody sends the right word at the right time in the right way. It's like, there's just courage Courage breathed into us when other people encourage us. It's powerful. It's powerful. At mile 19, I remember my wife is a, is a runner, and she run a marathon before I ever did, so she knew when I was going hit to the, hit the wall. And so she showed up that day, and she didn't tell me, but she wore her workout gear. And she jumped in at mile 19, and she ran the rest of the race with me. She ran the last seven miles and she took a little bit of video that I want to share with you. Check it out. One to go, Kev. Awesome. So good. Accomplishment. Just amazing. Inspiring. And you're strong. Keep going. One mile. You got it. Less than a mile. I tell you, there's, there's no way I would have finished without her. I'm so grateful for a, for a wife like that that was encouraging me and cheering me on. Not just in the race, but in life. To have somebody like that is a gift. To be somebody like that is a gift. I wouldn't have finished without her. You know I wouldn't have finished without her. <laughs> right time, right word right place to run with. Now, there is something that happens when we're encouraged where it literally changes our brain's chemistry. Like it, it enhances performance. And so neuroscience is just catching on with what scripture's been saying 2,000 years ago. Check this out. Paul says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. He says, give encouragement to one another as long as it's called today. You know why? Because they don't need the encouragement tomorrow. They need it today. We all need the encouragement today. So as long as it's called today and so often we put it off until tomorrow, be saying the encouragement, as long as it's called today, it's always called today. Today is today. So give that word. Why? Because none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's what he's saying is that when we encourage other people, sin is less appetizing for them. When we're encouraged, it diminishes the appetite for sin. We're less likely to give up and we're less likely to give in. It's powerful. 
And encouragement is not just the gift we give to somebody else. When we give a word of encouragement, it strengthens us and encourages us. When I was running that race, uh, you know, it was a couple like out and backs. You guys know what out and backs are? They're where you like go out and then you come back. Really technical runner language. But like we'd had these turnarounds. And so, but, but it creates this awkward moment because at those turnarounds, now you're looking at the elite athletes that are in front of you and they're running in the opposite direction. And so I've got to look at all these elderly women who are running like at me. <laughs> And they had these bibs and on that, on the bibs, they had their names. And so I was able to see their names. And then I had this thought, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start calling out the name and cheering them on. And so I was like, come on, Gertrude, you knew this Ethel, you know, and I was just, I was running and just cheering them on. And what I learned through that is that when I was encouraging other people, it turned the attention off of myself. It rescued me from my own self-pity. See, when we encourage other people, it's a gift that we also give ourselves. We give them a gift, but we also get a gift and that we're not focused on ourselves. Man, encouragement is powerful. Encouragement is powerful. It's a gift that we give. And what he says, says, don't just encourage people on Sunday, but as long as it's called today, every day. When we encourage other people, it brings up there down here. You have a cheering section in heaven. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you have other people around you encouraging you. That's what we're called to do in this race. But then he also says, he says, let go of the things that are holding you back. I want you to throw off the things that are holding you back. I want you to imagine that I showed up for that race with this table. Like I was at the corral and I had on like my running shorts, not like the real short ones because I don't wear those, but like I had like mid, mid thigh and then I had like my shoes all tied tight. I'm ready to go bib on and I'm standing there with this table. You'd be like, what are you doing, man? I'm getting ready for the race. Preacher's got to preach. Like, I mean, if, if I showed up like that, you're like, you're not ready for the race. You're not here to run. Like, you would know that this thing would slow me down. I wonder, what are you holding on to right now that's slowing you down? What are you carrying around with you that it's time to let go? What are you holding on to that it's time to put at the foot of, the Je- the foot of Jesus? What are, what are you carrying that it's time to release and maybe it's, maybe it's a toxic relationship. It's just like, if you let go of that, you just run. Maybe the most spiritual thing you could do is delete somebody from your contacts. Maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing that's become an ultimate thing. Maybe it's something that started as a hobby, but now you've built your whole life around it. And it's taken the place of God in your heart. And you're asking for a hobby to give you something that only God can give. Maybe it's entertainment. How many of you ever binge watched a show? I'm confessing. You need to. Yeah, we've all, like, there's, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with entertainment. I mean, some entertainment, but there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with binge watching a show. But can I tell you this? I've never got to like after four shows and been like, man, I feel so invigorated. I just do. I feel, feel so refreshed in life. But here's what I can tell you personally is that there have been certain shows that I've begun to plan my life around. And like I, I plan my life around. And, and, and so even entertainment, even good things can become ultimate things that hold us back. Like social media. Like social media can slow us down. I did not see any runners on the race that day, any competitive runners that had Instagram open that were doing it while they were running. And I think, you know what, Instagram can slow us down. And here's why I think Instagram slows us down because we can spend so much time comparing our race to other people's races. 
And we become discouraged because of comparison. And we say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not as smart as them or I'm not as far along as them or I don't take the same vacations as them. I'm not as good looking as them. And so we get, begin to compare ourselves with other people. We begin to compare our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels. And it causes us to be discouraged. And it takes us out of our race. But what does that scripture say? Let us run the race that's marked out for us. What that means is that God has a race marked out for you. And you don't want to, I don't want to get to the end of my life and find out that I got second place in somebody else's race. We weren't meant to run anybody else's race other than our race. And so we let go of the things. I mean, maybe, maybe, a, maybe a thing you could do this week is just, just delete an app for a week and see what happens. Would it be hard? Yeah. But it might be interesting just to see how you run, how you run without it. It's powerful, powerful when we see the things that are holding us back and we just, for a season, even set them aside to find what it's like to run without them. And he says, I want you to let go of the sin that has you entangled. Now, this is different. This is, this, this is sin. These are things in our lives, maybe habits and struggles, and maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's a gambling addiction or a porn addiction or a relationship that it's time to, time to let go of. And he says, let us, let us let go of the sin. Let us cast off. Let us remove the sin that so easily entangles, and sin so easily tangles us up. And scripture says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us. Like he cleanses us. He says, if you'll confess your sin, I'll power wash your soul. He'll conf- he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We just have to confess it. Isn't that beautiful? He says, and so when we confess our sin, that's, our, that's Jesus. Jesus promises to forgive us. Listen, Jesus loves sinners. It's the only kind of people there are. He loves sinners and he loves it when we confess because he wants to free us up. He wants to, ent- he wants to untangle us. My wife, sometimes she'll get a necklace like tangled up and maybe not even an expensive necklace, but it gets tangled up and she gives it to me. She says, can you untangle it? And so I start trying to untangle it and it's not an expensive necklace. And I start thinking, you know what? My time is more valuable than this necklace. Like I'll just buy you a new one, you know, but, but she'll get it tang- and, and it'll just take time to untangle that thing. And she can't use it again until it gets untangled. And I wonder how many of us are knotted up and Jesus is like, if you just let me, I'll untangle you. Let me untangle you in your anxiety and in your worry. Let me untangle you in your secrets and the things that you're, but if you'll just confess it, I'll forgive it and get you untangled so you can run. And then scripture says, confess your sin to one another that you might be healed. See, there's forgiveness that comes when we confess it to God, but when we confess it to somebody else, there's healing because we're only sick as our secrets. And then we confess to other people, we don't have to pretend anymore. But our greatest fear is that we would confess it to somebody and that they would reject us. But when we confess it to somebody that knows us and loves us and they encourage us in the run and we draw courage from that and we continue to run. Maybe today there's something that you've been carrying and it's time to confess Time to confess to a friend. Time to confess some a small group leader. Maybe it's time to confess. Maybe there's a pastor or somebody that you respect or somebody you admire or a counselor. Listen, you don't have to carry it by yourself anymore. Confession is powerful. 
We confess it to Jesus. We find forgiveness. We confess it to other people. We find healing. And then he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. He's the one who began your race. He's the one who will finish your race. It is only by, your, by his strength and his power that you can finish this race. So fix your eyes on Jesus. You know why he says fix your eyes on Jesus? Because a lot of times when we're thinking about sin, we fix our eyes on our sin. We're like, don't lust, don't lust, don't lust. And what do we do? Lust. Like, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie. And what do we do? We lie. We do. Don't be prideful. Don't be prideful. Don't be prideful. What do we do? We're prideful. Because what you're looking at is what you're working on. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, what we're looking at is what we're working on. We say, Jesus, I want to be more like you, which you form Christ in me by the power of your spirit. And so we've, we focus on him and we take one look at our sin. We take about 10 looks at him and we fix our eyes on him. And you're like, okay, how do you do that? How do you fix your eyes on Jesus that we can't see? And we know how to fix our eyes on other things. We know how to fix our eyes on the stock market. We know how to fix our eyes on politics. We know how to fix our eyes on a new car or a new house or promotion on Instagram. We know how to fix our eyes on a lot of other things. We say fix your eyes on Jesus. Here's what it means. Whatever you need today, do you go to him? You need peace today? Go to Jesus. You need hope today? Go to Jesus. You need grace today? Go to Jesus. You need forgiveness today? Tell Jesus. You need hope today? Talk to Jesus. You need wisdom and discernment? Go to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the beginner of your race. He's the one who started it. And he will finish the work that he began. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus and consider him who didn't give up in his race. Consider him so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, when we consider him, we grow heart and we lose weary. When we consider him, we're encouraged and we grow bigger on the inside. Fix your eyes on him. Let me show you my favorite picture from the race. Look at this, this is my favorite, absolute favorite one. You know why this is my favorite picture? Because we're done. <laughs> hey, I'm done running. This is my wife, Ree, and, uh, and we're done. The other reason it's my favorite is because we're together. It's because I wouldn't have finished the race without her. And I wonder, I just wonder, who are the people in your life that God is stirring up in you that you need to be an encourager for them? I mean, maybe today it's a text message. Maybe today it's a phone call. Maybe it's dropping by and seeing somebody as long as it's called today. We don't want to just hold those words in because when we encourage other people up there comes down here, they're less likely to give up. They're less likely to give in. And you say, you know what? I want a friend like that. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I want a friend like that. But can I tell you, nothing's stopping you from being a friend like that. If you want a friend like that, then you should ask God. Because he knows a lot of people. He's really well networked. More than LinkedIn. He knows a lot of people and he could bring that person to you. But until you find that person for you, you can be that person for somebody else. And we fix our eyes on him and draw encouragement from him. I want to pray that for you. Would you bow your heads and your hearts before God? I'd love to pray with you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your truth. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to show us how to live, to show us how to love, to teach us what it means to live life fully. God, I pray for those today who have become distracted in the race. Lord, that you would help them by your grace to fix their eyes on you. God, thank you for the work that you've begun in them. 
And God, thank you for the work that you'll complete. Would you give them enough strength today to keep taking steps, to keep moving forward? I pray that you fill them with your spirit from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, that they find fresh strength and fresh courage. God, for those that you're you're prompting to, to confess to you and you've revealed sin. Lord, thank you. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not, your, it's not our repentance that leads to your kindness. So Lord, I pray that in response to your kindness that they would repent and just turn back to you. God, I pray for those that need to let go of some things today. Would you give them grace for that? And Lord, I pray for all of us that you bring people to mind that you're calling us to encourage to give the right word at the right time in the right way, that you give us courage to give the encouragement and that we'd help one another run the race. In Jesus' name, amen.